0: Listeners, start your engines. think about it, aren't all these Chucky movies family films? Franchise Detours, Episode 7, Rob here. You can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcatchers, as well as crookedtable.com. On this episode, Matt Donato, film critic and co-host of the Certified Forgotten podcast, horror aficionado, if you will, and noted uh, Bride of Chucky fanatic, joins us to talk about that movie sequel, 2004's Seed of Chucky. But does this movie successfully build on where Bride of Chucky took the franchise, taking such a a drastic shift from the Andy and Chucky story and moving it over to Chucky and Tiffany? Does this one successfully build on it or crash and burn? Let's get into it and find out. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. This episode, we're continuing our adventures with Chucky and Tiffany with Seed of Chucky from 2004, written and directed by Don Mancini, which we'll get into. And I'm honored to welcome to the show, Matt Donato. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk Seed of Chucky out of all the Chucky movies we could be talking about and just let's get (laughs) weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So tell people a little bit about who you are. You're a big horror guy with your own podcast. So so tell them all about that.
1: Totally, yeah. I have been covering, it's weird to say this, but I've been covering the horror genre now specifically for like almost coming up on a a decade, which is nuts to say. I started out, let's be honest, we we both know where we met each other. Uh, We met each other writing for a site that will not be named anymore and Mm. since have gone on to better things, I think, for both of us. And at this point, I have written for Blade Disgusting, Dread Central, Fangoria, go down the list. And I have been trying to stake my claim in the horror genre since then, uh, specifically I love my child's play. I love my Chucky. So it has become near and dear uh, to my heart as one of my favorite franchises. And I have taken that love of detours, almost to say, in the weird little niche movies and turned that into a podcast as well called Certified Forgotten, where we talk about horror movies that have five or less Rotten Tomatoes critic reviews. So something a little less known even than a, a Cedar Chucky or th- something of that nature. But it's been very fun just being in the horror genre and talking about all the little deviations that might occur. in for a franchise like Child's Play, there's plenty of them. So I'm ready to get into this.
0: So just before we get into Seed of Chucky, what is your I know you love this franchise, as you were already mm-hmm. saying, what is your history with it? Like, when were you exposed to uh, this franchise specifically?
1: Yeah. So you're getting my quick I will do it as quickly as possible. But my origin <laughs> story with that question, because all right. I very much was an anxious, scared, terrified little child. And I hated her. I I didn't want to be anywhere near her. I didn't want to be anything that made me feel uncomfortable. And specifically, I can remember the trailer for Bride of Chucky. So this would have been about like 1998. I am not even 10 at this point. And it comes on the TV. And I can't look at Chucky. That iteration of Chucky, having, having not seen any of the child's play movies, having not known this entity at all, I just saw Chucky on my TV screen and it was like paralyzing. It was just, it wasn't even fear. It was just like, I was frozen. I knew this thing was going to give me nightmares forever and I blocked it out. I would not look at anything Chucky related. I was watching like WCW with my dad, obviously dating myself to say WCW at this point, but um, watching it with my dad and... Chucky had a had a TV spot and he came on and like I ran out of the room even for that. This ridiculous doll. I think he was laughing at Rick Steiner and he was saying that him and Scott Steiner were gonna come in and kick his ass. <laughs> I couldn't even deal with that. So I I my first introduction to Chucky was absolutely not wanting anything to do with him. I refused to watch any of his movies, and that carried very much through high school and most of college, I want to say. And finally, I had the distinct pleasure to start getting into horror, to start broadening my horizons. And I, I got to the core of my issues of why I hated horrors because, well, I shut down. Again, the anxiety was this thing I it was afraid of. But I realized after pushing myself in a few areas and like the first one was an X at the time got me to finally go on roller coasters. And all of a sudden that excitement was like, oh, this thing I've been afraid of for so long is actually something that brings me a lot of pleasure. So that was my actually my gateway into horror. And getting back to what I was saying before, I had the ability for Curse of Chucky to interview the entire cast, do a whole press day with them. And I finally had to cover the entire Chucky franchise because I'm like, all right, if I'm going in for Curse, I have to go conquer my demons. I have to see them all. Right. And I did a whole watch through the entire franchise. And lo and behold, it's that thing that I told myself I was going to hate and I was afraid of, I couldn't handle. And it turns out to be one of the, like the one of my favorite binges of any horror entity at that point or sorry horror franchise and it has just become the thing that now I love it's I've deprived myself ever so long and it has become the symbol of conquering my fears and it it is even that aside it is my favorite of the slasher franchises I, I think hands down it's the best one that's been continuing continuity doing it in fresh ways and I'm sure as we'll get into talking the reinvention throughout this franchise has been just bar none amazing
0: yeah, I I I think you you hit the nail on the head right there. Talking about how binging the series was so much fun, and that's why I chose it as this first like ongoing mega series for this podcast is because it, it's three three different versions of this franchise of this premise baked into one seven movie run. And I, I first of all, I want to hear a little bit about the how how did that go? Interviewing the whole cast and everything, like how, oh. what was that experience like? And and. And what was something that that stood out that they mentioned?
1: It was wonderful. Everyone is so nice. And I, I think the thing that stood out most is because it's been Mancini creatively involved the entire time somehow, whether that was writing, whether that was directing, it's always been Mancini's in a way even the ones not directed by him. So there was this communal element around everyone, whether that was Brad Bradgeriff, whether that was newcomers like Fiona at the time, because that was Fiona's first introduction right. to the franchise. And no matter who I was interviewing at that time, they all just loved being there. And their connection to Chucky and their connection to the characters was like adorable and I know that's weird to say because like Brad Dureff's cackle is forever in my mind and will forever haunt like my <laughs> right. dreams as Chucky. Like that is just such an iconic cackle of evilness and like the mania in that voice. But when all these characters or actors are talking about playing these roles and talking about playing roles over and over again, and how much they want to build the mythology of Chucky themselves, it was so much fun. And at the end, I was supposed to do basically like three separate interviews with two, 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 and it turned out it was Alex Vincent, Don and Brad. And then at the same time, they're like, wait, bring all the girls in here. Like you're not doing a separate. It's like the end of the day, we want to have a big group interview. So I was the only one that got to interview all of them at the same time. So you're just sitting in that room and you're just going, this will never be replicated. I, I can, I will never be able to relive this moment. And again, so nice. Every one of them Don has been, I, I, I say this very happily and luckily, like Don has been very nice throughout the years. Just I've supported Chucky and, We became a little friendly doing that. uh, No, like we don't go out for beers every week or anything like that. But Don has been very nice, like reaching out on DMs every now and then. So very much, this is a franchise built on love. And you can feel that throughout all the creators and participants.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that's been coming up in a lot of these conversations that I'm having about the franchise is not only that it's, to my knowledge, one of the only franchise horror franchises that has had a continuous voice behind the scene with Don Mancini writing all of them in directing the last three, but that it, it does have, you can tell the people on screen are, are loving what they do, that Brad Dora, this is not a paycheck for him. This is a labor, right. of, labor of love for everyone involved. And going to your experience with Bride as a child, I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that that was the first one where he has that like really mangled, stitched up face. I think that makes his him look that much more horrific.
1: Yeah, his Frankenstein look is yeah. its just the scariest of the iterations. He's very, very playful almost in a way. And the first three, is, as you've said, in the sense that Bride is where he really becomes horrific. That is where Chucky gets his scowl, gets everything. And I think the puppeteering just got a little better too. So you're able to play with the leather stitching, or sorry, plastic leather stitching, and you're able to play with all these elements, but also make him just so scary and I, I definitely agree with you. Maybe if I went backwards and had I seen Child's Play first, it might have been a little different. But there is still something terrifying about I can picture specific shots in the first child's play when you have the very burnt up and melting Chucky. That is such a grotesque figure at that point. I think that sure. would have been very much a turn-off. And even some of his more menacing faces where sure he's not all stitched up yet, but just the way they're able to articulate his eyes and articulate like the facial expressions of when he's like smirking, but it's still that snide evil. I'm going to kill you smirk. Still, still not okay with me. Still, still doesn't pass the test. (laughs) (laughs) So bride of Chucky
0: was obviously a huge shift for the, for the franchise. I know you have particularly a lot of love for bride of Chucky. So before we get into seed which picks up literally with the, the last one teased this movie pretty directly what what is it about bride of chucky that stands out to you and then we'll and then we'll talk about how seed builds on that
1: yes bride is you watch it and it is definitely wanting to be the bride of frankenstein for this franchise it's not hiding that it very much <laughs> its intentions are out there but this is the first time i think that mancini really finds his voice and he finds Something in Chucky where we've had three previous movies that are playing more straightforward horror, but the more Chucky's throwing one-liners in, the more Chucky's having fun, the more the audience is being receptive to that. So Bride very much to me is a creator saying, all right, we know what the audiences are loving more and more in this. We also know that three, at least in my opinion, is the low end of the franchise So it's losing a little steam. You're just putting Chucky in a new situation. He's just doing the same thing where he's killing people over and over again. So how do we inject some new energy into this? And their answer being Jennifer Tilly is one of the most iconic shifts in any (laughs) franchise ever. Putting Jennifer Tilly in this franchise was the crank moment of Jason Statham putting the cables to his tongue and just like jolting himself <laughs> with electric uh, electricity from the battery. And that that is what that was for Child's Play, because you bring in Jennifer Tilly, the dynamic completely shifts. Don Mancini, I, I think I've interviewed him about Bride specifically for Sci-Fi Wire when it was still doing that stuff. And what he really let out is the fact that Brighter Chuck is the most he felt comfortable writing because he was allowing himself to open up as as now an out uh, gay man in the horror industry. So he just felt more comfortable writing that, and you can see it because it is such a confident movie in its jokes. It's such a confident movie in the way that it takes the Chucky you know. And flips you off and says, I'm going to do the Chucky. I really want to be out there and I'm going to have fun with it. But also Tiff is the balance. Tiff is this beautiful balance where he's no longer just a serial killer. That is a romantic comedy through the lens of a slasher (laughs) film. And again, just incredibly black humor, incredibly, it knows what it wants to be. And it's making fun of itself while also having so much fun doing so. This is the movie where Chucky gets lucky and Tiff and Chucky are having sex after killing someone. And there's jokes about being rubber. Like, how is that the best movie of the (laughs) franchise? Well, it is. I'm sorry it is. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, and it it just completely drops the Andy side of things. And this is something that I'll get into later on this on subsequent episodes. But it, it what it does is the first three are the are the Andy story. This is the Chucky and Tiffany story. And then it shifts to Nika and then trying to loop everything back around, which is what I think Colt pulls off in a remarkable fashion. But I think for what you were saying with Tilly coming in and re-energizing this franchise, it makes me think like, I'm not a huge fan of this franchise, particularly, particularly anymore. But when Dwayne Johnson came into fast five and he's like, all right, we're changing the game for fast and furious. Now it, this, this is whole thing is leveling up. And I feel like it was that seismic shift for these, for these movies.
1: Yeah, the level up is exactly what you're talking about. And the magnitude of the rock, I want to say Jennifer Tilly brings that magnitude. And sure, it was 98 at the time, you could say whatever about her popularity now, but I I still I'm obsessed with Jennifer Tilly and the credit that she has and the repertoire that she had at the time, specifically to bring her in and to play that role was just mm-hmm. genius level, it, it, honest genius level. And anyone else Doing it, I'm sure there are plenty of other takes out there that would have been phenomenal. This is the one time where I will say I would never want that role to be recast. I, I think Don Mancini nailed it on the head by and this casting department, as an extension of Don Mancini, but bringing Tilly in was the ace up any franchise's sleeve. And there's a reason that I think that relationship has become so iconic. It's not anymore just Chucky, it's Chucky and Tiff, they're synonymous mm-hmm. now. And that redefinition is 100% of credit to both Brad Daryf and Jennifer Tilly because the way Daryf and Tilly riff off one another as they are doing the whole homemaker thing in Bride of Chucky and figuring out the relationship and how they're turned against one another by just baking cookies and throwing dishes and things of that nature that might set people off in a regular relationship. My God, I, I don't know how anyone pulled it off. This is so, I know it's 98, but this is like aughts horror so aggressively and it's so good. It's just really that ushering in of, I, I said this once, and I'm going to say it again. I think Scream does the meta humor in a way that say that Scream walked so Bride of Chucky can run. And I really nice. stand by that. I really stand by that statement. I really do think uh, Bride of shucky's kind of, again, to say level up. I, I want to use that word again.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. I think it, it it totally takes things in a different direction. Tilly being at that point a couple years after Bound and like a few years after being an Oscar nominee, a fact right. which is pointed out in this movie. Tiffany's put in the body of the doll by the end of that one. So then when you get to seed, you're presented with this interesting problem. Well, Jennifer Tilly is is an integral part of this franchise, but now she's just doing the voice of a doll. How do we fix that? And what was their solution, Matt?
1: The solution is brilliant. The solution (laughs) is just bring Jennifer Tilly back. Why do we need Tiff to be out of the body? Jennifer Tilly is right there. So yeah, Jennifer Tilly, play yourself. Do yourself. Have fun with it. (laughs) Oh my God. Chef's kiss, chef kiss. so,
0: So being a huge fan of Bride of Chucky, what was your initial reaction to seeing Seed of Chucky and seeing that, this was the direction they were going to take it in. Because I could have easily had you come on for Bride of Chucky, but I feel like having you talk about Seed of Chucky and the really strange decisions that this movie goes with and how it goes down an even deeper path with the with the comedy, with the self-awareness than the previous film, how does that all sit with you as a, as a Bride of Chucky fanatic?
1: I think I benefited greatly from watching them after the initial premieres and the initial hype because fandom is its own worst enemy at times. And we all know that famously seed really almost killed the franchise. Uh, A lot of people did not like seed. A lot of fans were like, all right, bride of Chucky was already this departure. Now you're going to give me this straight up comedy. What the hell is this? This isn't my Chucky, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure there would have been terrible hashtags at the time if Twitter was as big, but Having watched the entire franchise basically in a row and having done it really removed from when things came out and what the immediate reaction was, I kind of liked Seed. Watching it as a continuation and watching it knowing full well of who Mancini has become as a creator and having the history with it. I could could disassociate. I didn't have to have things happening in real time. I had the history. I came into it going like, all right, I'm just going to watch this completely new to me. I know what people have said, but I don't really care what people have said because this is well after the fact that 2004, you mentioned, is when Seed comes out. So I'm not watching this until the, the early 2010s. And there was none of that. This isn't my Chucky. This isn't my XYZ. Like, no, I watched it with a fresh face. And I respect the fact that Mancini kept going so different and i i think the difference is the big thing because friday the 13th tried such things friday the 13th did it's whether you want to do jason goes to hell as this insectoid demon and he can now run into different people or you want to say he fought carrie or you want to say all these different things those jason X
0: too come comes to mind
1: yep jason x jason goes to space so You have a franchise there that people know, love, and tries different things, but I think they were just throwing things in a wall versus going right back to the community aspect. Mancini had a plan this entire time. Mancini is involved step-by-step. Mancini is putting the roadmap out, and as I'm watching Bride, as I'm watching Seed, I know it's going somewhere, and I know – that it's all tethered somehow and as, as audacious as that might be because uh, seed of chucky is nothing but a hollywood satire you're making fun of so many different celebrities in there you're making fun of so many different tropes and it, it's very much satire as it is a horror film but i knew it i knew it was going somewhere and again uh, as a bride lover i don't think seed is all that off base from what we get from horror in that respect uh, horror can be funny horror can be what you didn't have previously, and in all honesty, if we had the child's play franchise that just did one, two, three, and then four, five, six, are the same damn thing, way less mm-hmm. interested. I, I want to see you try something crazy, and yeah. if that means having a child now and how that works in your trifecta of serial slashers, sure. Yeah,
0: no. I, if it, if that's what this franchise was, I wouldn't have picked this franchise to talk about on this podcast because that's I I could have easily gone with the like, what is it, 10 Halloween movies or wherever we're at. Like there are a lot of them feel interchangeable to me. So it's this franchise, every entry feels unique and, and distinctive. And whether that works or whether it doesn't, like I feel like like you were saying, this was a lot of fans jumping off points where if someone was to say that this franchise jumped the shark, this is where they would point to. And I think they I understand that argument, but it's also it's, it's not boring. Like it's not, never boring. It's very interesting and it's very like creative and out there. And in a certain respect, it's continuing a lot of the traditions of Bride of Chucky. Bride of Chucky is, is a an homage, as we were saying to Bride of Frankenstein. What happens after like a, a bride movie in those old universal monster movies, you had a son of Dracula, you had, you had like the yeah. offspring that, that, that picks off from there. So doing Seed of Chucky, I think does feel like a natural progression in that regard.
1: Yeah. And just to say of the larger franchise, too, and how in tune the larger franchise is with the necessity to evolve, the very next Chucky we get after this is so different because we go back to the gothic horror. So I feel like Mancini very much wanted to play around in this world. And again, this is the smart thing as a filmmaker to react to is the audience. The audience very much did not like Seed. The audience very much turned its back on Seed. And while I think it was very important for Mancini to create that movie, because if Bride was him feeling comfortable and being able to write in his own skin, Seed is very much even more of that. It's a double down on that. And that's Mancini putting so much more of himself into the screenplay because we are dealing with a lot more gender issues and non-binary issues. And there's a lot of things in this movie that, Really, we're not in horror movies at the time. 2004 is is the height of, or not the height of, but actually the beginning of an era where it's either Saw or it's a remake. And the remakes all do the same thing where it's a bunch of teenagers going into the woods, having sex and getting picked off. And then you throw seed out there, which is letting Ch- Chucky and Tiffany have a child that can discover their identity however they want. It nothing else was doing that at the time. Nothing else was caring about that subset of horror and horror fans, which is something that's become so much more apparent where w- there is a reappraisal of a movie like See to Chucky because audience at that time weren't caring about that thing. Oh, what is this weirdo stuff? Like that's the response to it. But we're years separated now and people who actually can understand what's going on and dissect the film on that level and actually have a connection to the thematic elements that deeply it's it was ahead of its time. It's so weird to say that about a movie where Chucky jerks off to a Fangoria, but it literally was ahead of its time.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I think that the the gender identity you know theme, I think that was probably part of what turned off some mainstream moviegoers. I think the the comedy, the self parodying, like the Britney Spears thing, I think stands out most egregiously yeah. to me.
1: My boy Let's ride the wheels. Oops! I did it again.
0: <laughs> I'm like, okay, this that that was maybe the one moment in here, like, because I love all of the self-aware stuff, all of. Jennifer Tilly pissed off that she wants to, she wants to be, she keeps losing roles to Julia Roberts and she wants to be cast as Redmond's <laughs> Virgin Mary, uh, which is a movie, by the way, I would totally watch not for nothing. <laughs> if that came to together, see, my God. <laughs> I would love to see Redman presents the Virgin Mary starring, Uh, Oscar nominee, uh, Jennifer Tilly. So Hollywood should make that happen. Maybe Don Mancini can can fit that in between uh, seasons of the Chucky show that's happening this fall. But I love all the self-aware, all the Hollywood stuff. But I feel like things like the Britney Spears thing might have felt a little too scary movie at the time. Yeah, And I wonder if, if uh, Part of me is is really trying to des- decipher where the line is of what Mancini really felt like what he wanted to do because it's something that was important to him, especially as, as a gay man. I think the gender identity thing was definitely something he wanted to explore. But some, I wonder how much of that was him trying to react to what was happening in the genre around him and uh, how he reacted to the backlash to this movie and how that shifted his perspective going into Curse.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely shifted the perspective into Curse because, as I said before, Curse is so reflexive in the sense where it goes right back to child's play. Like, there is no hesitation. We go right back to Chucky is hunting off people one by one in a, this is different in that it's a larger mansion and he has more room to play around with, but it is just about the stalk, the kills. And, of course, there's an after credits that does do the due diligence of tying everything back and making sure you know that this will come back in a crazy way in cult. But the reflexive nature, it's also the thing of Mancini himself. We didn't really see a lot of Mancini himself after Seed. And like, how demoralizing is that in a way where you finally are coming into your own as a filmmaker and you're finally comfortable to put these things out there? And Seed is so poorly received that I'm not saying it ruined all his opportunities. Hollywood's a hard industry. You can write things and write things and they can go nowhere. That's that's the hard part of it. But I, I think that had to play some level and like you hate to say that out loud because like that sucks it it sucks the fact that when Don Mancini was finally feeling most himself as a filmmaker that's when Hollywood started turning away more yeah and this and
0: this is his directorial debut so this is the first time I think I agree with what you're saying I think this is pretty much purely his vision this is him just coming up with look what let's see, I'm giving the reins here. What do I want to say in this franchise that I haven't gotten a chance to? How far can I lean in the direction of Bride and then and see how the fans react? And then in the subsequent two movies, he's dialing that back. But where it ends at the end of cult, I feel like he he meets himself in the middle. There is there is also a saving grace to the end of cult and where the franchise is right now that doesn't abandon the elements of bride and seed with the exception of Glenn and Glenda, which I would definitely want to touch on that in a, in a minute here. But I, I think he finds a way to split the difference by the end of the franchise.
1: Yeah. And are we allowed to say, because it's beautiful the way he ties it back. Is is this something we're allowed to spoil or no? Sure. Let's go. For yeah. It. The moment when, okay, let me, let me make sure I get this right just to make sure I do this. But the moment when Charles Lee Ray, now in the body of Mika, who is played by Fiona Duriff, mm-hmm. makes out with Jennifer Tilly, who is now still Tiff at this point, because that's always been canon pretty much since that, the end of Seed, is just like, how did like your mind does this moment where it can't recognize what's happening, but somehow Mancini has worked the cogs in your head to start turning again and actually process what's going on and make you think, holy crap, you pulled this off. Like, like there is no way any of that should work. There's no way that sentence yeah. should even be uttered, but we get there. And again, creative vision, soul creative vision. And you look at a franchise like Scream. And why I think it's so beloved is because you have one soul navigator getting you exactly where you want to go. And it, it really... It really takes the entire franchise for what it is. And I say that in the sense that Don Mancini is the franchise. Wes Craven is the franchise at that point. And anyone else, as much as they might do a really good iteration of it, it's not going to be the same continuation. It just can't be. So when cult happens and you realize that this entire crazy franchise has really been benefited so greatly by Don Mancini and that guiding light, it's just... You can't compare it. There's no comparison. Yeah, any
0: other franchise would have dropped half of these elements at that point. And I think that's going from this movie and the way this ends with Jennifer Tilly, uh, Tiffany posing as Jennifer Tilly with Glenn and Glenda uh, in human bodies and Chucky obviously still lurking out there. Going from that to Curse... I watched Curse without any foreknowledge. I think I actually I hadn't even seen Seed when I watched Curse. So I there was a couple I had missed. So when I watched Curse of Chucky, I was watching it completely blind, like un- unsure how this was going to relate to the previous movies. And and the trick that that movie pulls on you, which I'll get into in the next episode more deeply, is that it almost starts where it could be a re- reboot. They they yeah. they cover he's got the paint over his stitches you don't see there's no hint of of any of the other characters from this movie or the previous four so you go into curse not know it like it's it's refreshes itself but then like when the water recedes you you see that oh everything is still Everything is still in place. Tiffany's still a part of it. Like everything else is still is still canon and, and recognized as such. And I feel like any other franchise would have been like, all right, let's back to the drawing board. Let's let's take it back to basics and pretend none of this other ever happened. So I give him props for reacting to seed and obviously the way it was very divisive, but we're refusing to scrub it from the continuity.
1: Yeah. And I think there are instances where another filmmaker can benefit a franchise. Greatly, And I bring in uh, Evil Dead 2013, because I I think Evil Dead 2013 and Curse of Chucky have a lot of similarities in the sense that I know Evil Dead 2013 was billed as a remake. As we know, very early in the movie, all of a sudden we see the character Mia sitting on Ash's Delta. So that throws that the window. And Mm -hmm. exactly like you're saying with Curse of Chucky we get the movie that very much feels like a reboot. We get the movie that very much feels its own. It's a standalone. You don't need any of those other characters, but by the end of it, you're so excited to see how it's going to tie into the larger universe. And curse was very much that for me. Curse was very much going back to really those scary, senseless moments. And there's just a moment where a female character walks into the attic and we see her looking at the Chucky doll that we know is going to come alive. And that was that first real scare for me that brought me back to the early child's plays. And I, the, again, the reflexive nature of not to beat that in, over the head, but the reflexive nature of Don Mancini knowing you want that stuff back and knowing you want those kills back, but still having the forward sight to be like, I'm not done with Tiff though. I'll give you guys what you want, but like Tiff is coming <laughs> back and it's only going to get weirder. That, that way of navigating is just, ah, how do you do that? How? And I know how it happened. It happened in front of our eyes, but it's a miracle in the horror genre. And look at any, look at any franchise, look at anywhere. There are always concessions made. And just like you said, if anyone else stepped in half, half of everything Mancini built would have been retconned. Let's let's look at the, re, the actual remake, like fuck off. I, I I I don't know how else to say anything about that. And I, I don't say that as someone who just hates it because it's remaking child's play. And I think that's a useless, thing to do when Child's Play is still going strong as a franchise. Exactly. I say that literally it's just his filmmaking. Going the tech route did nothing for me. Going the way of a new voice where I thought Mark Hamill did a good job. It just really didn't ever scare me in any sense. And trading puppetry for a lot of CGI, that that was the big thing that killed me there. You have a remake of a Child's Play movie and listen, the puppetry don't always look perfect in these movies, but as I say over and over again, practical always wins over CGI. So Chucky always felt like Chucky in the remake. You very much have some scenes where Chucky goes full CGI. There is, there is no practical anywhere. And you just have the little, little animated Chucky run, run around. Like it was ready player one. And that just took me out of it completely. So I, I feel like the the franchise that is going strong under Mancini's reign knows exactly what it wants to be. It's not going to make those concessions where it comes to practical and things of those nature. I think there are there are some CGI things we can talk about in Seed of Chucky, which I, I do think are a little uh, comical looking back on them, but the core effects are always going to be practical. And just another thing that having someone under quality control, just having that one voice, that one person saying, no, this is always going to be Chucky, that's, that's where it needs to be. I feel like we should just get into
0: the, the visual effects part of it now, too, because this obviously did not do particularly well at the box office at 17, no. domestic, 25 worldwide. Yep. And its budget was essentially half of Bride of Chucky's 25. So what what moments in this movie that are you referring to when you talk about CG and and what works and what doesn't work? Because it feels like a very different looking movie than anything we've seen before. And obviously that's coming from Mancini's first time behind the camera.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of really strange moments of CGI Mm -hmm. where (laughs) one sticks out vividly. You're in the attic and the scene begins and it's Chucky and Tiff talking to Glenn Glenda and they're just coming together as a family. So it's nothing but a a shot where they want to show you the whole attic from a long view and it's going to pan in on the family talking and there's a spider web and it's meant to be like really close to the camera but the spider's web is very clearly cgi and then you have the spider which looks like worse than playstation graphics and you're going okay this is an interesting thing to do when we've already used a tarantula in uh bride of chucky but in any case like that was a weird moment of cgi and then the for lack of a better word the baster that is filled with the titular seed Yeah, When it it is coming out, like there's a little droplet that comes out and it's so clearly CGI. So it's the weirdest moments that they use CGI for because there are a lot of really good kills in here. The kills are good. You have Redman's guts spilling on the floor. You have...
0: Yeah. Wow. Which is is probably the most graphic in the film, I would say.
1: Right. Exactly. But you also had John Waters who gets acid face and... Part of it's CGI, but it still comes back with the practical. So you still have the practical application afterwards. So as long as the kills are there and they're gruesome and it opens with a beautiful beheading of the actual effects supervisor, which is hilarious, but playing, playing a part in the movie. <laughs> well, but, it, it opens with those Halloween style fake out of Glenn right. Glenn's dream yep. sequence. Yep, that is very true. And and you do get some cool first-person shots there because you're looking through Glenn Glenda's eyes and the death there again is is practical and somebody falling off a banister and the second story into the lobby. It's great. But yeah, obviously jump in and whatever you want to say on the CGI because I think you might have noticed yeah. too. But it's just the odd notes to me that were CGI and like lesser budget, totally understand it. But it did look very different. It did look very different from any scene or any Chucky movie, I think, to this point.
0: Yeah, I think Glenn Glenn Glenda using martial arts on Chucky towards the end was another one that really stuck out to me. Where I was like, "Why is this in here (laughs) again?" Because I I do like the the made in Japan gag and the fact that he obviously speaks some Japanese oh God, and yeah. and uses it throughout the course of the movie. I do think that's pretty funny, but I feel like have, having a, a martial arts moment in this movie was a little, a little bit much in a movie where a lot of things are a little bit much. It just felt out of place. And I think maybe the CG was probably part of that.
1: Yeah. The, the double backflip, triple backflip right. over Chucky. Yeah. That was uh yeah, listen, it was a choice, but it really went full bore into the fact that you are going to see a Chucky movie that, well, number one, it ain't really that much about Chucky this time. And don't get me wrong, it is. I, saying that out loud is sounds a little crazy, but this right. is very much Glenn Glenda's journey. This is very much a family trying to figure out who they are and parents trying to let their kid be who they want to be, but at the same time torn between I want – you to be the killer boy that I, I want. I, I see the potential in you. You're you're the best killer that I've ever raised in a sense and so much potential. So that is one side of what Glenn should be in Chucky's eyes. And then you have Tiff being like, no, you're going to be my little girl. And it, that is what the story is about. And then there's just death and destruction on the outside of it.
0: <laughs> I think too, this movie retains an element of Tiffany's character that is really lacking in the subsequent two, mostly because we don't get as much of her. It's not really from her perspective anymore. It's more Nika and then Nika and Andy in cult. But it's it's like the, the sentimental side of Tiffany that, that is so at the forefront in the previous movie to the point that she realizes that they belong dead, as she says, quoting Bride of Frankenstein. I think that element it, it, that continues here, I think it helps to... It helps to escalate the dynamic between her and Chucky and and contrast that. But I I like what you were saying about Glenn, Glenda, this really being their, their story, their film. They're the new characters in this, obviously, and it's... It, it's telling to me and I, I that we never see them again after this movie. It, it opens up with Glenn Glenda and that dream sequence that I said with the, the little girl, it's almost like it's a tradi- more of a traditional child's play movie. Like this is almost going to be Glenn Glenda's Andy initially. It all boils down to the gender identity theme. What is it? Obviously, we're not really qualified to explore this per se, but what do you think Don Mancini was, what do you think he, he was including that, That element for what do you think he was trying to say about gender dysphoria and all that in in the context of this killer
1: doll movie i i think it's such (laughs) to say this out loud i keep using that phrase to say out loud well it's seat of exactly the
0: most batshit crazy of of the franchise so yeah it's i described this movie to my wife the other day after we were watching it for this podcast and she was like jaw on the floor the whole time. I'm like, yeah, that's an, a- it's in an actual movie. Let me look, I'm only halfway through Let me continue. So I, I understand.
1: Yeah. So I won't even, I won't even give it that word. I won't even give it that sentence. Now we're just going to go into it. And it's <laughs> the fact that if, if Chucky and Tiffany can, can allow their child to be whatever they want to be, then what is stopping like literally anyone else? I, th- right. I think that is the overarching general theme. And there is also larger ideas about identity because Chucky has his own moment. Chucky has a moment where the entire movie is based around Chucky is going to put his soul into red man's body. And as we've said before, uh, Tiff is going to go into Jennifer Tilly's body. That is the master plan. But when it finally gets down to it, Chucky has his own crisis of faith.
0: There is a limit to how much I can take. What are you talking about? Look around you, Tiff! This is nuts! And I have a very high tolerance for nuts. If this is what it takes to be human, then I would rather
1: take my chances as a supernaturally possessed doll. It's less complicated.
0: You can't be serious.
1: As a heart attack. Think about it.
0: What's so great about being human anyway? You get sick. You get old. You can't get it up anymore. I'm not looking forward to that. I want to be Jennifer Tilly. I want to be a star. And I don't want to be your chauffeur. As a doll, I'm fucking infamous. I'm one of the most notorious
1: slashers in history. And I don't want to give that up.
0: I am Chucky, the killer doll! And I dig it! I have everything I want. A beautiful wife. A multi-talented kid. This is who I am,
1: Tiff. And he's like, why do I even want to be human? And I, I'm not equating that to uh, Glenn Glenda at all. I, I think they're two separate identity crises to have. But mm-hmm. to have them both at the same time, I, I think it's this big, it is this larger theme of realizing who we are and realizing that is way more important than what other people tell us we are uh, because Chucky says outright, I don't want to be human. I want to be a, he's like, I don't care how complicated it is being a supernatural uh, serial killing doll. Like he acknowledges what he is and he's like, this is going to be a crazy life, but it's what I'd rather be because what I want to be human to grow old and not be able to quote unquote, get it up because th- this movie is written in a certain way, but that's his own crisis And at the same time, it's weird, but that helps you contextualize, especially at the time when we weren't talking about trans rights. And we're talking about them more now because, well, Don Mancini brought it up so long ago, but he brought it up because it was an issue in the way that no one was talking about it. But now it's an issue in the sense that there are literally laws being passed to endanger these kind of things that Don Mancini was talking about. So... Yeah, I, I I don't want to boil it down to the simplicity of letting people choose to be whoever they are and to figure that out on their own terms, because there are times where in Glenda, it's, it's a messy journey for them, but it's a necessary journey. And that's totally mm. fine to Tiff and Tiff especially just saying like, I see what's going on here and I acknowledge it and whatever you got to do, you got to do. And I, it's so... Beautiful in the weirdest way, because yeah, we are talking yeah. about seed of Chucky,
0: yeah. and it also with Glenn Glenda, you have that inevitability. It reminded me of something like psycho two where that uh, that Norman Bates is trying to recover, but he's eventually going to snap it's It's watching Chucky and Tiffany wrestle with their child, as far as gender is concerned, but as also as far as being killers, where they're trying to overcome that addiction. And it's denying themselves who they are. And in the process, driving Glenn, at least Glenda to to kill Joan in in a right. pretty in a pretty over the- top and and uh, brilliant death scene. Uh, I like that part of the 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 character's journey as well. that it's also like, literally being driven mad by everyone around him slash her telling them what they should be. You really hit on something profound there with the, this movie is really about these three killer dolls trying to figure out who they are and having to make that decision for themselves. And in the case of of Tiffany, she wants to be Jennifer Tilly in the case, uh, ironically enough in the case of, of Chucky. Yeah, you, we get that. And I totally had that in my notes that he has that epiphany after this is the f- end of the fifth movie. Uh, he always wanting to try and get someone's body, get that, get that amulet, and and become human again. Him finally, be like, you know what? Screw this. Not worth the hassle. I'm Chucky. The and the cam, the music swells, and the camera pans over him, yep. and it's like a real hero's moment in a way where he's like, "I'm Chucky the killer doll, and I dig it." Um, that was such so satisfying watching this franchise and getting to the fifth entry. And he's like, yeah, you know what? We're going to do something different. And that's hundred percent what he does in the next two movies. It's not about being human anymore. It's about uh, building up the cult as it were.
1: Yeah. And it even coming, it comes down to that final, whatever party scene where Chucky's dead in a great practical effect of yep. Glenn just axing Chucky to pieces, arms, legs, head, Great stuff, amazing stuff, blood spewing everywhere, and Chucky is living being in a way, so it all makes sense. And I, that is that also was a really nice callback in the beginning of the film when Tiffany's battery pack gets opened, mm-hmm. but it's just this pulsating tissue to show like, nope, nope, they are they are really living. So it brings the living dead girl aspect, to, you know, quote to quote Rob Zombie out to life. But getting back to that party scene it very much reveals the fact that it was still Glenn Glenda's choice the whole time. Chucky wanted to put Glenn into a boy body. Tiff wanted to put Glenda into a girl's body. And Glenn Glenda ultimately is given the choice. And having that driven home is the biggest part of the movie at the end, where it might get a little weird and you're trying to figure out what's happening with the two Human kids birthed from Jennifer Tilly. How is that all going to shake out? And again, spoiler alert, they're never around again. Maybe they'll come back in the TV show. Who knows? But at least to note that, well, at the end, it wasn't either Tiff or Chucky's choice. They didn't force their child to go into a body. That was the child saying, This is where I'm going. This is where I feel best represented. And this is what I want to do. And this is the same movie where there is a turkey baster full of Chucky's <laughs> seed. Yeah, they're anatomically
0: correct. It opens with the look who's talking right. style yep. sperm swimming through to get to Tiffany's eggs. So so what is your interpretation of the, the end there with Glenn and, and Glenda? Is, did Glenn, did, the, did the doll Glenn Glenda go into the boy human child? Did they somehow split? And that's why the, the little girl seems to have
1: a violent streak? Yeah, so the way I interpreted it and the way that I worked it out finally in my head is very much Glenn Glenda became Glenn and, or if that's even how they refer to themselves because it's not really said, uh, that could have right. changed as well. So, but yes, the soul of Glenn Glenda has gone into the boy vessel. And I I think what is trying to be told in the daughter is, well, that's the daughter of Chucky technically because that was Chucky's semen. Sure. That was Chucky's traits. So what you're getting is Glenn Glenda Glenn, Glenda was always going to be the well, the person that we saw the entire time? They don't want to go to the life of violence, they want to do what they want to do, and that is totally fine. So they go into one body. Well, the other body is still Chucky's daughter at that point. So guess what? That kid is probably going to have Chucky's characteristics. So that's how I broke it down. I broke it down that the violent streak in the daughter and the mean streak in the daughter is a hundred percent an amalgamation of, well, Real life Jennifer Tilly and Chucky,
0: right? And who knows how many nannies or you know, right babysitters or whatever Glenda has seen Jennifer Tilly slash Tiffany murder uh, right. right, right in front of her. So it's, it's also like a little bit of nature versus nurture. That kid was probably going to be a killer regardless. Little uh, slips. With, yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man, what a great scene when Tiffany calls the the helpline to be like, "Oh, oh I'm afraid I'm going to have a slip." <laughs> right
1: it's and like, you're throwing in things anyone. of addiction right there too uh, you're putting yeah. your, your characters through the fact that like no we're gonna be good parents we're not gonna kill recovery hotline
0: yes I'm in recovery and I'm afraid I'm going to have a slip. can you get to a meeting no it's really not an option I just freak everybody out oh,
1: now don't be so hard on yourself
0: we're not here to judge you what's your name
1: Tiffany listen to me Tiffany I know exactly what you're going through. You do? Yes, I I do. In fact, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Just last week I had a slip. Really? Yeah. And believe you me, it was not pretty.
0: (laughs) It never is, is it?
1: No. In fact, it took me three hours just to clean up the mess.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Don't remind me.
1: (laughs) But I'm not beating myself up over it. You know why, Tiffany?
0: Why? Because Rome wasn't built in a day. <gasps> You're right. You're absolutely right.
1: And again, I'm sure that turned a lot of people off because that's dumb. These are killers. Of course, like they're just going to kill the whole time. Why are they trying to reform? Well, because they have a child and that child clearly does not want to go the path that they're on. So all of a sudden parental instincts come in and it is so complicated because it is a slasher film and it is very much it is a child's play movie. So you go in with certain expectations, but the fact that they're not met does not mean it's a bad movie. And I really would love for a lot of people to readdress Seed of Chucky on those terms with like disassociate the fact that you wanted a child's play movie because it's not what you got. I'm sorry. It's not what you got, but also that's what the creators want to do. So you have to respect the creators on their terms and whether it works for you or not there, Totally valid. That is that is where you're allowed to make your critiques. But if your main critique is, well, it's just not like the other ones, then you don't belong anywhere near this movie. For a movie that is as, as wild as this, it touches on so
0: many heavy themes, as we were saying, with gender dysphoria and identity and and parenting and how that you reevaluate your own life choices based on wanting to set an example for your children and addiction and fame and like it, it, Hollywood satire obviously as we were saying very which reminded me very very Scream 3 in that way yeah. uh, but I'd say this is a more interesting movie than Scream 3 I
1: think that's oh, another, infinitely more interesting
0: <laughs> that's another case where the you were saying about how Wes Craven is really was really the guiding force of that franchise obviously right. but you also had Kevin Williamson who did one two and four mm-hmm. and I think that's another part of why three feels is generally at the bottom of the list for most people
1: and it's like it's while Mancini's having fun, too, because all of a sudden there's a naked gun callback when you have the cop, uh, <laughs> the cop uh, lights. Yeah, the car, the cop car lights, the shot right behind it, driving into a scene. And you, it's just this yeah. little throwback. You're like, wait, is this like supposed to be a callback to naked gun or a friend actually pointed out that the death of John Waters is very Phantom of the Opera and maybe not the way we've seen on screen, but so like just having that right there, you have these two instances where it's still Mancini, not only just loving the genre, but loving movies. And listen, I might have to ask him if that was really a naked gun reference, but I very much thought it was (laughs) because why else would you put the camera right behind the lights and have it go for that long? But still there is so much more than just being A scary movie. And not to say there were good ones, not to say there weren't bad ones. That that is such a mixed genre. But those simply just want to spoof where these are all additions to a Chucky movie. And I'm totally understanding if people didn't like it for that reason, because yeah, it could be a turnoff. I, I very much fell out of that sense of scary movie humor when all of a sudden it became these terrible knockoffs like superhero movie and Stan Helsing and too many, too many to count. But in a Seed of Chucky movie, I, I think they're interesting because you're having Chucky explore these things. You're not just trying to spoof for a joke. You're having Chucky do it. And you're having Chucky discover these things for the first time and react to them. And whether that's saying, oops, I did it again after he killed (laughs) Britney Spears accidentally or not accidentally, but when he shouldn't have been killing or whether that's him finding out how hard it is to be a father.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. While we're on the topic of callbacks, we have to throw out a few other ones here. Bride of Chucky opens with a whole bunch of horror iconography essentially. And my theory is that Bride of Chucky is the one that really canonizes this character and puts him in that echelon. As right. we were saying, if they had just done four five, six with the exact same template, it would have been like direct to video, like leprechaun style. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be as interesting or have as, as interested of a fan base as it does now. And in this one, we get a lot, a lot more of those kinds of things. We have the the scene with Glenn Glenda or shit face, I guess at the time shit face uh, <laughs> with the, with the fly on his hand. And, and he's like being very peaceful with it again, obviously psycho reference. There's a, a Frankenstein mannequin, I think, or, or some mask in the <laughs> effects room there. When that guy gets decapitated, obviously all the Jennifer Tilly stuff, which at this point I'll, she's a rock star in this movie. So I will take any excuse to give Jennifer Tilly more face time in this franchise and then we get during the uh, her doing making amends she calls the the first of three cops that she that she, <laughs> whose throat she slits in this franchise and tri- calls her up to try and uh, apologize and we get a, a reference back to Martha Stewart, who's Tiffany's idol, apparently, in the for previous film, who here is supposedly getting executed. And obviously, there's the the Chucky shining reference where he's yep. like, I can't think of a thing to say. So that they weave those in, in in a very reverential way that I think, for the most part, work within the context of this, this iteration of the franchise. Is So I, that's where I stand on it, too.
1: Yeah. And it's calling out the, the shining reference too is a beautiful one because it is Mancini having fun in this, in the way that is again, not just ripping it off and being like, remember this movie, how many possession films to this point, including the latest conjuring have we seen that just use the iconic poster shot of the exorcist. And it's like, Hey, remember that movie. And it's like, yeah, we, we effing get it. Like everyone does this. We understand what this movie is calling back to, but In Seed, when we have the here's Johnny moment, uh, the person I watched it with, they look at me at the beginning because it's like, they think the line is coming and they think that's Mm going to be uttered because it's like, (laughs) all right, what are we doing here? But then when he's like looking through and he goes, I can't think of a thing to say. It's like, all right, that's better. You didn't just throw it at me in my face. You didn't just use it because we know the line. No, you had fun and played it with it. And uh, it's another way of just... The creativity and the originality of banking on nostalgia. You don't just have to do what someone else has done before. And again, you don't just earn nostalgia points that make audiences happy by doing that. If you do it in a way that actually engages me and you do it in a way that we really haven't seen before, that's how you actually engage with me.
0: It's also the love of of the genre that we've that we've referenced earlier about they do these movies because they love making these movies. They love coming up with creative kills and and paying homage to the the horror icons of the past. That shining reference particularly reminds me of the pinhead reference in Bride with right. John Ritter and the Nail Gun. So I, I yeah, I think those all pretty much work. But winding down here, I also just wanted to ask you, what do you think is the, what does the Child's Play slash Chucky franchise? Because the naming conventions are very right, consistent. It, it
1: alters, yeah.
0: <laughs> which reflects the changes in the change in in tone and genre to to a certain extent. So that's cool. What do you think that this franchise contributes to cinema horror in general? What is its its legacy?
1: Its legacy is Chucky and Tiffany, and I, I don't want to strip it down uh, and all the fantastic things that go into that. But I, I think it's legacy number one is the idea that you could walk into a Spencer's Gifts, if that's still a thing. Uh, I don't know if they're out here in L.A., but in Jersey, in my hometown, in my Jersey mall, there was always a Spencer's. And no matter when I walked in, you could buy some Chucky and Tiff paraphernalia, whether that be literally the dolls, whether that be sweatshirts, T-shirts. The relationship of Chucky and Tiff becoming like the Bonnie and Clyde of horror Mm -hmm. is Iconic on a level that, again, we all know Jason, we all know Freddie. Robert England is really the only one next to Brad voice voicing Chucky, where you have a character played by the same person over and over again for so long. But the icon level that we are looking at is Chucky and Tiff. There, there really has not been a replication, uh, replication of doll horror on that level. We have our Annabelle's, we have plenty of other scary toys come alive movies, but we don't remember any of the killers or any of the villains like we do Chuck or Tiff. And that level of resemblance around us and that level of seeing it day after day, that's just, it's a testament to what we've seen so far. But also I think the legacy here is a lot of, like a lot of gay horror fans bride and seed are these pillars now and seed especially in some ways, because it's so hated by one community, but then so embraced by another. And that difference has to be noticed. That difference has to be acknowledged. And I think it's a huge thing to say don mancini is finally getting the credit he deserves for making the movie for the people he made it for so Mm -hmm. if you're talking about a legacy the reassessment of seed of chucky alone i think bride is always more easily accessible because it is it is what it is. It's the Bride of Frankenstein, as we said before. It's the universal monster throwback, but it's done with Chucky's sense of humor and it's done with this aughts horror industrial rock soundtrack. So it's always going to live in a moment, but that moment is just so rad that it's always going to endure. Where Seed is very much uh, living in its own moment and it, it seems confused at times and it seems like it's reaching at times, but that movie was made for an audience in mind. And I don't think the horror genre appreciators in 2004 were exactly the people that the movie was made for. And now that the horror genre has expanded its acceptance, we'll say, and expand the way that fans are now way more comfortable with going into horror and being part of it, who may not have felt comfortable in 2004. The legacy is the fact that they are now talking about Cedar of Chucky. I think that is even more an important legacy of the fact that this movie found exactly who it was intended to reach.
0: I've noticed that too that the LGBTQ community seems really drawn to this franchise and I wonder how obviously I'm not going to put words in in the, that community's mouth but it it I wonder how much of it is to do with as like a lot of what this movie deals with just like being in a body that doesn't feel like yours feeling like the world is telling you to be something different but it, it deals a lot of with with being at home in your own skin and I think that's probably part of why especially for those fans that moment where he's like, I'm Chucky, the killer doll. And he like really comes into his own. I think that's why it feels so triumphant is that this, this, this movie really puts a a exclamation point at the end of, of that part of his story. And I think that resonates with a lot of people.
1: Yeah. And specifically the fact that uh, trans characters for a very long time were, well, the cross-dressing crazy person is always the killer because They're dressing, it's just a terrible trope that was perpetuated for so long because, well, a lot of filmmakers, did they even know it was quote unquote bad? Like they should, but they didn't. And it went away and it did go away as much as it can, but it still pops up every now and then. But this very much, I think, is a reaction to that. It's a reaction to the fact of how specifically trans non-binary were displayed in 2004. Like we're talking about a different world at this time. And this was a step in the right direction that at, might not, again, might not have felt big at the time. But now when you look back at it and you look at the films that are surrounding it and you look at the things that they're doing and you see Cedar Chucky not falling into certain tropes, that's, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing for the time. And again, I think that where that's where that draw is uh, to call out just, we commissioned a pitch recently and it's exactly about this. It's about a non-binary person coming out and finding themselves in a way through Seed of Chucky. Seed of Chucky helped because they were able to connect with a character that would typically get laughed at and that would typically feel all those things and be that token character that unfortunately fits a trope. And they saw a very different character. So I I do think that is the level of... Assessment—it's getting now, and it's good that it is because it it deserves that. And again, again, it deserves it not from us. Like that's that's yeah, not the exactly. piece you you and I are yeah. writing. Like that's the piece that I'm glad has an audience now. And I don't know if it could be written in 2004 because we didn't have the knowledge, we didn't have the acceptance of audience at the time. So the fact that those things can be written now, I, I think that is the testament to the legacy you were talking about.
0: Yeah, and it's part of why I want to see Glenn and Glenda represented on the TV series in some way, shape, or form. Because right. I feel like they, they are such an integral addition to this mythos. And I understand why after this movie's reception... Don Mancini backpedaled on that direction a bit with the next couple of movies. But it, there's a five-year jump at the end of this one. And, yep. and who knows what the hell is going on with those children elsewhere. For all we know, that they, they could be helping expand the cult. They could be part of it. Who knows? But I, I would like to see some follow-up with that. And just to keep them relevant and keep them part of the, the Chucky family, as it were.
1: So, the show is supposed to be suburbia and I, I won't get into yeah. it, obviously, but the show is supposed to be this little slice of suburbia and the smallest slice of suburbia we felt so far in the in the franchise, I think is that party scene in seed. So I don't I know if there's so. a connection to make there. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, bringing this to a a bit closer to a close, you're a huge Bride of Chucky fan. This was the direct follow-up, as we said, very controversial with some people. Do you consider this movie a smooth ride or a wrong turn for the franchise? And what is your overall ranking of the seven films?
1: Oh, that is, okay. That is a little rougher, but (laughs) like, let me put it this way. It is not a wrong turn. I do not see this as a wrong term in the least bit. I do think it is a little bit of a rough ride. It is definitely not built- for speed and comfort. It is definitely built for a certain uh, writer, I guess I would say, but it's not gonna be what all audiences watch. And that's the rough part of it. But to me, if I have to pick between those, no, I I don't think it's a wrong turn at all. I, I think this is exactly what Mancini wanted to take it and seeing it in the context of the entire franchise now, I know it belongs there and the entire franchise.
0: Yeah. If we're doing the entire franchise,
1: I I can do it. All right. If you're putting me on the spot and you're making me do this, I can do the ranking right now. At the bottom, I'm going to put three. I put three at the bottom because it just doesn't take any of the risks. I think that seed does. And as we've talked about, I really think that those risks are what make seed so memorable. Like it is just a memorable film is whether you like it or not, there are scenes in here that you will never forget. You will never forget John Waters spying on Chucky as a silhouette, doing what he does to that Fangoria. So
0: masturbating
1: midget. Yep, exactly. There (laughs) that moment alone, like is just instilled in my mind. But again, we talked about these kind of risks and I'm drawn to that more than your garden variety slasher. So three is on the bottom. I do as much as, listen, I'm saying I like Seed. I'm saying I'll give it the pass and the positive. I think it is next in line. So we mm. got to go three. We got to go Seed. It's where it gets rough because I love all these movies so much. But saying that Cult is the next one up does not mean it's like, oh, it's towards the bottom. It's not good. I actually like Cult a great deal. I think it's a very fun slasher that starts to get into the idea that, well, it's Chucky's mind. And Chucky can be as many Chucky dolls as he wants. He can do whatever he wants out there. So that idea is so crazy to me. So I think it's a good iteration of it. So three, got to go to the seed, got to go to cult. I really think at that point I go curse still. That's the next one. I always have this fight in my head between Child's Play 2 and Child's Play, but I do think the original Child's Play comes next. Number two, my number two ranking is Child's Play 2, and then Bride is at the top.
0: The amazing thing is that I I will probably go back and rewatch all seven of those pretty regularly. I feel like this this franchise, as we were saying, it's some movies are better than others. I, I generally agree with you that I think three and Seed are the most flawed, but that doesn't mean they're not interesting and entertaining as hell. Yeah it it feels like the perfect franchise that's made for like an an all day halloween marathon there's there the tones are all over the place there's something in that franchise for everyone each movie is like i think max of like 95 97 minutes they're very brisk and, and tightly edited and yeah I, I you can't really go wrong that's why it's a tricky question because there's no easy there's no easy stinkers in in the bunch really
1: no, I fight over the original two all the time in my head where I I, I adore what they both do. But the toy factory scene, it, it, it gives it the bump in my head, and that's what gets it right over it. And also for being completionist, the remake is below all of them. I do not hold the remake <laughs> yeah. in any regard to any of those movies. And really, it's the only one I outright don't like.
0: Right. Well, it doesn't, it, it's the fact that they're, they did that Ah, uh, because I think what is MGM owns the rights to the first film, correct?
1: Bingo. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they, so they can they do, do, whatever, do they whatever, whatever they want.
0: They, exactly. Exactly. Well, they don't have Tiffany, so we have that in our on our in our side at least. Heck I don't no, it.
1: they don't. They don't have <laughs> Tiffany in Jennifer Tilly's body, or yeah, exactly Charles <laughs> Lee Ray, voiced by Brad Dourif, in his daughter's body, who is playing the it, character.
0: It's like doing a remake. If if they if the last one they made was Seed. Or, or three, then maybe I can understand. I'm like, okay, yeah. you want to dust off the property. That's fine. But the guy who created the franchise is still on the franchise. There are still people like us that talk about it on a regular basis
1: that watch these movies. Why
0: would you do that?
1: I ranted yeah. in so many bars after that happened because I would just get drunk and just start screaming, like, Don Mancini's still making his run of Child's Play. Why are we getting a remake? And everyone's like, leave. What are you doing? And I'm like, okay. I don't care. <laughs>
0: That's like if, if they did the Chucky Earl Haley Elm Street right after like after right after new nightmare or like right before it or something like when they're when you have England on the hook contracted for another movie and you're like, yeah, no, we're going to go in our own direction. Why would you do? I don't get it. Money. This world makes no sense creative rights.
1: Studio greed. <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
0: Well, Matt, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? I, I always forget to ask that before I start wrapping up.
1: No, I think we hit on all the major points. Uh, we tackled what we had to tackle, and it was a weird, twisty, turvy ride, which just like Sea of Chucky, exactly. And he's any, any Sea the Chucky combo is gonna be.
0: Yeah, for sure. Tell people where they can find you and your podcast on social media.
1: Totally. You can find me, Matt Donato, at DonatoBomb on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram, where I will be writing about horror a lot. Just follow those and you'll start seeing what I do. And if you would like to check out Certified Forgotten, it is at Certified Forgotten. And on Twitter, and you can also find us on Patreon, which we have a nice little Patreon that goes right to our writers. So we do not take any cut, any money we make on the Patreon goes right to who we hire to write these wonderful articles for us. And yeah, we just have our podcast going on the side for fun. So please come join us, join our little community and I hope you like what we do. Awesome.
0: Thanks again so much, Matt, for coming on. I, I knew as soon as I decided to do Child's Play, I, you are you are renowned for your Child's Play love. So I, I, you were the first person I think I reached out to to be on this, this mega series. So I'm so glad we were able to, to take the time to do this and, uh, and uncover everything wild going on in Seed of Chucky. So I appreciate it.
1: It is my honor. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Big thanks to Matt Donato for coming on to discuss Seed of Chucky. His love for Bride of Chucky is well known. So I was really excited to get him to talk about uh, the follow up to that movie. And now I want to know, is Seed of Chucky the one where you fell off of the franchise? Did you, are you a lapsed Chucky fan? Is that you? If so, have you come back around on Seed of Chucky? I know it's, it's got its fans. It's got its defenders. And I want to hear from you. So find me on Twitter at Crooked Table. The same handle on Instagram and via email at robert at crookedtable.com. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. We'll be back next time with Curse of Chucky, another, the third iteration of this little guy's story. But until then, stay crooked, everyone.